passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The eighteen that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello and welcome to Rewind a Raw. It's John Pollock waiting live here from the post studios back for another week another week are you gonna make it i think so i think i'll make it this is the (laughs) one you're gonna you're gonna definitely (laughs) we're gonna have a lot to discuss my first question that i want to ask you for 24 hours was that the best speech from roman roy that we have seen in the history of the character up on the mountains Um, I'm trying to think if he has any, if he's had any other like big speeches, he's not really much of a speech guy. No, Certainly not, not a heroic speech guy, but I thought I this mean, was one of his, his finer moments on the show. Oh, absolutely. I mean, one of the most, one of the biggest baby face moments, I would say manifestation yeah. of grief yeah. all hidden under it's a negotiating cat tactic. That's what I'll say. And then in the end, but it felt really real. And if you, I heard a few interviews with Kieran Culkin after the fact, and he, he basically kind of talked about how, how much he really had to get into character so much so that he wasn't even able to enjoy the view on top of that mountain in Norway. So anyway, <laughs> it was a great episode. All right. So that's it. Um, thanks for everyone for tuning in. Was Kieran Culkin backstage at raw? Not to my knowledge. No, he was not, but CM Punk was on Monday night. Uh, this was a story. I mean, I know a lot of sites like we're reporting on this. Did I have the best picture selection? Oh, certainly. Absolutely. WWE, like CM Punk with the WWE backstage. Uh, I was pretty logo. proud of that one. Did you, what did you do? Like Google CM Punk backstage? 
no, I can really take everyone behind the curtain, much like Punk was tonight, in our inventory. Like, we have a whole catalog of pictures for each particular wrestler. So when it comes up, this is one of our images that we have saved of Punk, and it was just too perfect and just wrote itself. It was, it was either going to be this. Um, you know, we have a lot of Punk photos, and this was one that I thought was a, an oldie but a goodie. Take a victory lap. You chose yes. well. That is it. So the story, which was first reported by Mike Johnson at PWInsider.com, is that CM Punk was seen uh, backstage for a brief period of time, Monday around the, the afternoon or so, and was meeting with, he was, you know, hanging out with different talents and apparently met with uh, Paul Levesque briefly, which would have been the first time that those two have been together face-to-face since Cleveland in 2014. The report went on to state that he was eventually asked to leave and uh, one source telling PW Insider that it was a Vince McMahon call for him to leave the arena. And when he was informed to leave, he said his goodbyes and left uh, Fightful Select stating it was without incident. Um, I was only able to confirm that he he was there. Uh, he was seen. And I guess way and, what, and, and beyond that, we had video surface of there was this him. video as well of Punk apparently in the parking lot of the Allstate Arena with Tamina Snuka as mm-hmm. well. This was circulating all over the place as well. So I mean, you did you did have eyes on him a- as well. So my question to you Wei, is that there is a lot um, that that you can certainly glean from this. What do you look at it as the from the Punk side? What is this play? Because there is no other way than to describe this as a play. This is not somebody that after nine years of no contact with uh, WWE at an event, Mm -hmm. you know what? Now is the time that I really want to go and just say hi to the Miz. Yeah. Well, when we speak of the punk side at this point, it's the AEW side. He's coming back, everybody, and he's working for AEW. And I don't think he's making any of uh, any any rogue moves on his own without the approval of Tony Khan and AEW. Um, they they're booking a, a, an arena, you know, for him in Chicago. Um, so this is an AEW move, and I think it's probably a move to generate some buzz ahead of his return. Maybe you know to to play into a future story, or maybe just you know just to get his name out there. Uh, but not that it takes a whole lot for the guy to get his name out there. You really could have just tweeted something. But you know this is that much better, isn't it? Yeah, I'm always cautious when the explanation is well, it's going to generate buzz, and I don't know how much this is going to generate buzz for a show that is two months away that we're talking about for his theoretical return like this is going to be a story for a day or so and if there's no if there's nothing to it then i i don't know how much you've really accomplished here and well, we it's, are, our, it's our lead story it, it's our lead story yes it is um but is this is the interest in seeing a cm punk that much greater today than it was 24 hours ago for people like to me i, I don't think two months from now we'll be saying oh man that time Punk was backstage at Raw in the afternoon and there was a video with Tamina Snuka and now he's coming back to AEW. I think you either have an interest in Punk or you don't. I get, uh, but but that also depends. It, in, if in any way that this um, was either something that only Tony Khan was aware or that Punk did opt to just go and visit in Chicago, then this is a much larger story in terms of Punk doing something here in that 
your AEW, and it's not just the talent that is like we we saw with you know Ricky Starks going to the Rumble to support a friend. It's very different when we're talking about this guy that is yeah. trying to piece together his bridge back to a locker room. And I can tell you this locker room is probably finding out about this like everybody else Mm -hmm. and looking at and having all these questions, which is the last thing you want for your locker room. And you have a whole network that is essentially, he is the franchise player of this yet to be announced show. Like what is this guy doing? And then that becomes a much larger um, issue of what is this guy doing when he is under contract? It's not as though he's, this is not like a Brock Lesnar move. You know what I mean? Where it's like to get his uh, uh, leverage up, he would show up at a UFC and could negotiate elsewhere. I mean, Punk is under a deal. So I just, mm-hmm. I don't understand from his perspective. So so we're, you're, you're, we're playing this out as if it was a rogue decision. From I'm asking Punk. both because the idea that it, this was uh, some idea hatched by Tony Khan and CM Punk, to me, it's like, I, I don't get it. I would not get this as some publicity stunt. I, I mean, who understands what is a publicity stunt these days? You know, uh, Instagram and story storying something has generated, you know, a week's worth of headlines for a CM Punk. Um, I, I think the opportunity presented itself that it was in Chicago. They have this, uh, you know, show that that's booked that they're probably going to announce on, on Wednesday. Um, and maybe just a an idea somebody hatched up to you know get some last minute um google search ranking for a cm punk wouldn't, wouldn't the stunt, if you were performing a stunt why wouldn't you buy a ticket to raw uh because that feels a little too much like a stunt like what just invading and what walking walking in down down the ramp live he's there at i raw. mean like that's that's the level what you're thinking but it, of. But, what, like but I think have more impact. This or yeah, I would say this. You know, I I, I think know. I mean at that point it's debatable which one is better. But I think this one maybe feels a little bit more covert. It's not as they they don't have to invest as much. I suppose it's and it's I I mean I don't know what what they're thinking, but I I just can't imagine that CM Punk having gone through as much drama as he has recently, um, that he would jeopardize, um. He already did a month ago with the Instagram story about Moxley and all of that. Like so, that was when, so, but that would be under the suggestion that he was pissed off. Okay, he was pissed off about the you know whatever story like was out there of him with his injury. Now that they booked the United Center and they're on the you know about to announce a show, but that's basically you know surrounding him. Would he like? I can't even imagine him like lashing out. Like I don't see this being sort of like you know guy having a tantrum. I'm going to go to the WWE show to talk to you know ben, uh, uh paul i'm not even you know? saying it would be out of out of a tantrum i just um whatever i can't i can't get into his head and we we're we're operating with uh limited knowledge of the incentive here to do this all i'm stating is that okay if this is something where at least um tony khan had this idea and it would have been kept to a very small amount of people first of all i wouldn't want my network partners you know learn, like you look at the Warner side, there's probably few wrestlers that they are very familiar with under their umbrella. CM Punk being one of them that you would want to have, you don't want to be surprising people above you um, in when you're in this significant um, discussion phase about a new show and launching it all around this guy. And then they're reading about this guy showing up at a competitor's show. You just would not want that kind of surprise. And 
just looking at it on the flip side, if there were a chance that this was a guy just opting to do this for whatever reason, Phil Brooks would feel that this was a good idea to do today. Then this is a, a much more um, crazier story. If he was just feeling like, Hey, I'm going to go to the WWE show and maybe feeling the need to not have a heads up out there. Yeah, perhaps, you know, some people uh, in the chat room are of the belief that maybe he just went because he wanted to apologize to people. Sure. He's, he's had nine years to do that. Well, come on. Maybe maybe this is just convenience. Maybe, who knows? Maybe in the past few months, Punk, Punk has gone to uh, some sort of uh, how many WWE anger shows, management. How many anger WWE management shows rehab? did he attend while he was on the backstage show? How many did he go to? Zero. <laughs> right. Zero. Yeah. Well, listen, I uh, we we can speculate all day and it's fun as hell to speculate you know anything related to cm punk is like incredibly fun to discuss and to talk about but ultimately i feel like it's pretty safe to say that i i i just i think he's got a lot going on with aew right now and i I don't see that changing at all you know with with this action um and i don't think this action would have taken place without aew in mind you would certainly hope so yeah like uh, again you can certainly look at it from the uh the perspective of like the true value you're going to have out of this. Like maybe we'll look back in a week. Um, maybe so. Maybe I, I would want that uh, in some, in some way that this is, I just don't know how this leans into promotion for his return or anticipation growing for his. Return how have either. they built anticipation for this United center show up until this point? What have they done? I wouldn't say they've, They've built any at this point. It's the new cycle has done it. We've done it. The audience has done it simply by having this guy out there. This, you know, like it or not, that Instagram story has done it. Simply having him uh, keep him be a part of the conversation has created this anticipation for CM Punk's return. Well, he's been gone for a long time and he's returning. It's like a watered down version of the last comeback that he did in aw but but i think with even added intrigue because of all the backstage machinations that that have taken place at this point well we have a lot of stories to get into uh just tonight this was an interesting update that we got from the dyad jagger reed and rip fowler noting publicly that they requested their releases earlier this month, as we had discussed, and they were denied today those releases. We had seen them on television over the last several weeks and adding the fact that they will become free agents October 15th. So this would seem from the outside looking in that they very much want to be out and figure that why not throw this out there publicly almost as a way to pressure the company to release them, which I, I hope for their sake that this does not become a period where they just put these guys on ice or something like that. And, um, you know, you want to, don't just they have get... a, a title match coming up? They had a title match last oh, week. Yeah. They were in that triple threat match. Okay. So, I mean, you have months left on, on your deals at, at this point, they have, uh, you know, six months left. So, they certainly want out. That would be that would be the um and I would assume that like they they have some plan of where, where they want to be because I don't know if this is the, the exact time I would want to be um going this this route to try and uh, get out when you know there are there are limited options out there for guys at this level. Let's with all due respect to the dyad. Yeah. I'd love to know like <laughs> 
how truly frustrated they must be working these gimmicks, you know, to, to be, I guess, this upfront about wanting out of this company. Um, oh, it, it could be a variety of reasons, but certainly yeah, so. like this, this gimmick has not been a winner uh, with, with the schism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's burning a bridge for sure. Isn't it, John? You know, um, six months isn't that long away. And if they really like weren't this frustrated, they they could have just really waited out these contracts. But they seem to be that frustrated that they wanted out these six months earlier and um, are, aren't afraid to further publicly sort of like talk about their frustrations and unhappiness within this company to try to get that get it um in a way i think it makes makes them sympathetic figures in the audience's eyes like like several people in the past like a Brody lee in the in the in the past um is there that sort of big pent-up demand for you know a G, gyv AEW run or or indie wrestling run i don't know maybe but i guess they're trying to get their start right now Stardom held their all-star Grand Queendom event over the weekend at Yokohama Arena. 5,539 people was the announced attendance, their largest attendance in history. Did you get to see any of the show? I saw most of the show, yeah. I watched was... the entire thing. Um, this show was incredible. I think one of the best shows of the year. To me, this was on par with night one of WrestleMania with um, Re Revolution as well. Um, yeah, this to me, the final five matches, you had... Um, First of all, you had um, Tam Nakano winning the World of Stardom title in the main event from Julia. This, to me, was the match of the show, and th that was some heavy competition. But this this match, outside of this utterly gruesome headbutt to the back of, uh, of Tam Nakano's head that mm -hmm. led to Chris Charlton screaming, Jesus Christ! I mean, an all-time call from Chris Charlton, but a truly sick headbutt in uh, the, the closing stretch here. But... Yeah. Um, Man, first of all, um, even going well, we can talk about the the match first. I mean, you saw the uh, the, the Northern Lights bombs here by uh, by Tam Nakano, and then eventually hitting a second one, and then the Twilight Dream. That was a big near fall, and winning with the Violet Screwdriver in twenty three minutes and forty seconds, a match of the year contender. And I thought that this was this was one of the surprises on the show um, in terms of executing the title switch, and this was a show that had multiple title changes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, for me, like this was very much like a an introduction to stardom for me. Like I've kind of cherry picked things here and there, but I don't know if I've ever really sat down to watch a full show. Um, and, you know, this coupled with uh, Karen and Bruce's preview, I think really got a like was a great way to to jump in. And if you were somebody of a, a viewer like me, um, this was a great show to pick to watch headlined by i think a, a wonderful main event a lot of like the baby context you know might have not been as strong for me somebody who's just kind of stepping in but you know if you listen to karen and bruce it's this has been a really long-standing feud uh but the match itself was uh, pretty pretty great you know absolutely um i had like a big main event feel but i think for me it was more so just like being absorbed into just the stardom product in and of itself um up and down this card it was like incredibly high quality professional wrestling um i didn't even hate the rumble i thought this was like a pretty decent rumble um with all the different characters i mean not not gonna like like the world on fire but like i just hate those new japan rumbles and this one was um 
you know the the, the vast majority worked like really hard in in this opener that went uh it still went your like 26 plus minutes but also like the pageantry of like you know this yokohama arena setting the costuming is absolutely incredible for every single uh person that that made an appearance when julia came out i mean that just screamed top oh, star amazing. world champion she looked yeah. incredible i thought for her entrance like that yeah. aura of the champion you want to project i mean I just remember seeing Julia like in her infancy when we saw her live. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was only just over three years ago. And to where she has ascended to now, I yeah. mean, she had this like knock on her that she was like just this, this attractive woman that stardom was trying to market. And she has grown into such an incredibly well-rounded performer that, you know, just checks all the boxes that you'd be looking for in that, that world champion. And that was why I thought they were going to continue this reign, but they ended up doing the title change. There are a lot of very like attractive people in stardom. And you know what? Like almost all of them can fucking go. Okay. That's, that's the thing. Like it, it, it's, it's a really high level of professional wrestler that is up and down this card where not only do you have to have a, you know, visually cosmetically presentable look, but you like, like the training is incredible and the pace is incredible. Um, my personal match of the night was the Sayakamatani Shir- uh, uh, Mina Shirakawa match, uh, which was, I believe, like fourth from the top. For, um, that to me, like, told just this beautiful story of, you know, a champion who uh, was unsure of herself because she had injured her opponent with the Phoenix Splash um, earlier. And pretty much this- like knocked her teeth out. Like, this was a really vicious injury with a Phoenix Splash gone wrong. Yeah, and so like I thought they wonderfully conveyed the self doubt in her every time she tried to go up there to try to do the Phoenix Splash, and uh, I think you had a really big you know breakout performance from uh, Mina Shirakawa here, you know, um, winning the championship, five title changes I believe on this show. Yes, I think that was the number, but this was like the lengthy reign of a Sayakamatani, and she had won, uh, yeah, with uh, her second glor- uh, glamorous driver. Uh, winning this one in 17 minutes and 57 seconds. A great story in 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 this match. Uh, Shuri and Chihiro Hashimoto. That was actually the the the, the one with the Jesus Christ uh, in it. That went 16 uh, 10 here. And the match that obviously had a lot of attention going in was uh, Mercedes Monet and Mayu Iwatani. I would say of the matches we just recounted there, I would put this one uh, behind those three. But still, mm-hmm. they had a really entertaining 13-minute match. But I did think it was a level below some of like the match of the year contenders that you had um, on top of this. But how did you think uh, Mercedes looked in in the match? In well, I don't I don't disagree with you, John. And I I also don't really have that level of expectation for a Mercedes. You know, I I think it's very clear watching Stardom. You could be the best wrestler in 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 the WWE, but that still kind of puts you maybe somewhere in the middle of the package. Just simply speaking, of work rate when it comes to stardom. But what Mercedes brings, of course, is a really high level of mainstream attention and North American attention that nobody else in this on this roster um, would would be able to bring. And to that effect, I thought it was like an incredibly effective use of her. Um, obviously, I don't know what the numbers are, but like she's a big part of the reason why people are even watching and talking about the show on this side of the world. And the fact that, I mean, they said themselves, they wouldn't have English commentary unless Mercedes was a, a part of this match. Um, I thought it was a very good match, you know, but it, I think it was a very good match, but I think it was effect- effective in showing that, Hey, as good as you might think Mercedes Bonet, Sasha Banks is, if you're a WWE fan, we have like, like several other wrestlers that are far better e- even than her. So, yeah. 
Yeah, there was like a, a two-stage dragon suplex by Mayu Iwatani uh, t- to win this. And Monet also got this nasty hematoma on her forehead about midway through the match. So she came out and her hair was in the style of like the, the colors of Darth Maul. And she yes. was looking like uh, like a Star Trek character by the end with this hematoma. I thought but, uh, Bruce had said that like he she might have got this during a press conference or something like that. But I I noticed it partway through the match. Myself. I thought it was during the match uh, my, myself. But um, what did you think about the, the Darth Maul color scheme? Who does it better, her or Dustin Rhodes? The Darth Maul color scheme. Um, has Dustin done it recently? With the, with the face paint, yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I would probably give the edge to Mercedes, yeah. How about that Black Tiger tribute? Very nice that she came out uh, dressed. Uh, this was Mercedes coming out with the Black Tiger mask. And I wanted to talk a bit about the commentary because this is was a different role Chris Charlton was in. He was play-by-play. And it's also for many first-time viewers that he was going to be the person explaining a lot of this. And he did the commentary with Sonny Gutierrez and then Mariah May of the Club Venus group. She also joined in. I was was, very impressed. She was a late replacement. Yeah, she came in. It was She was like in the opening Rumble match. Then she came on commentary. And then she was in a corner later in the show as well and going back and forth. I was very impressed with her. Well, she was first... not supposed to be doing commentary, but somebody who was supposed to be doing it um, got injured earlier in the day. So, Yeah, was that Momo Kogo? I think yes. that was – she was supposed to be on commentary, and they even mentioned it during the Rumble that she would be joining them. And, yeah, Mariah May gets thrown in there. She did a very good job. Yeah. Uh, but Chris, I thought, was a very key part of this show in terms mm-hmm. of – like, I think stardom, they really need – if you're investing all this in a Mercedes Monet, you need to be investing in English commentary. It doesn't have yep. to be for every last show you do, but yeah. every pay-per-view, I think you need to have this option. You, I, it's a must. I, it, absolutely. Absolutely must. Uh, a must. I, and I think beyond just having commentary, I think they, like, just, again, being a new fan, getting, like, into stardom, there's a whole lot more they could have done just to cater, make to make things easier for the English-speaking audience. Like what? Um, like uh, having um a link to get the show uh, sometime before three days ahead of the show i don't understand that sort of like pia live like system i i think it's overly complicated i i think they should have these shows on fight you know i would have actually put this show on world just like even if you're sacrificing a whole lot of pay-per-view dollars but just as a way to be like hey you never heard of stardom before pay us ten dollars a month you get this show and then hopefully these people manage to stay on because like now i i i it's 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 also it's not even what you're suggesting like giving the show away if if it just requires a sign up on stardom world and you're asking people to sign up for the eight dollars yeah good chance you watch this show and you're going to continue your subscription as opposed to you buy it on Pia and it's a one-off payment. What is driving you to start a world? And you only get so many of these types of shows that again, it's not like you're just throwing this up on YouTube and the most eyeballs can watch and you hope they'll continue. I don't always agree with that kind of strategy, but getting people to sign up for your home service and you watch this show. I mean, would you be dropping Stardom World if you signed up for this? I Hell think no. a lot of people would be like, okay, I'm going to stick around for another month to see this. And you announce, hey, we're going to have English commentary on our once a month big show. It might not be on all the spot shows, but at yeah. least on the big shows, you can have a team of 
whoever is available. Like Sonny Gutierrez can be a constant there. When Chris Charlton is available, you can use him. There's mm-hmm. enough voices out there that if you're investing so much in Karen a talent, Peterson, like a Karen Peterson, if you're yeah. investing this much in a Mercedes Monet, like I think a lot of companies sometimes they they underestimate the the hurdle for some fans when it comes yeah. to commentary. Like I will gladly watch it with Japanese commentary, but I are you growing your product with that mentality? I I think yeah. you're you're hindering it, and it scares off newer fans. We should note that it, it will be on Stardom World on a three-day delay, so it should probably be up, like, what, tomorrow? If not... Um, probably midweek, like Wednesday, Thursday. Wednesday. Usually is when the turnaround time is. So, thankfully, I think there's enough buzz being generated out of this show that if you didn't like, watch... Like, this it, was an all-time great all-women's show. I mean, this yeah. was... Like, you had, I would say, like, five matches on here that were pretty mm-hmm. blow-away great. That main event, I think, is... Um, you know, it's it's up there. Among it's a the great introduction to the cast. You know, and I think that's what you want. You want like um somebody to have an identity attached to every single participant. And I think if you watch every single match, you'll come out of it being like, I know who Saya Kamatani is. I know, I know who you know Shiri is. I know, like you know, and they have enough stars in there now, like that have I think considerable buzz that like everybody has an identity. Um, and that's what will get a returning customer. So. Um, I hope they make a bigger deal out of it. I hope they address a lot of things um, like, you know, having just English subtitles for a, a lot of their things and just introductions um, to, 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 to the roster and whatnot um, to really take advantage of maybe some of this elevated buzz coming off of this show. Yeah. I mean, if you did end up buying the show, I think you would have been blown away by the show. Like it really was one of the better shows uh, this this year so for more you can go to the post wrestling cafe and bruce lord and karen peterson they they have a primer and they have the review of the show so if you haven't seen it yet you can also uh, go back and listen to their one hour preview that sets up all of the stories and then cafe members have the review from the two of them yeah Uh, also uh, on in terms of mercedes monet it was reported on saturday by the wrestling observer that there was an extension that monet had agreed to beyond sunday's show at yokohama arena and that will be for the resurgent show that she's been added to on may 21st in long beach california which is the same show that has tanahashi and osprey um tanahashi's rib injury uh hopefully being healed by then uh but stardom um fightful is adding that apparently there are no more stardom dates and the extension uh, doesn't appear to be going at least now beyond this date uh they wrote that um They were told by members of her team that as of now, that covers the May New Japan show in the United States. Sources we spoke to in New Japan weren't sure how long the deal ran, but did say there weren't matches scheduled in Japan for at least a while. So Mm. still some question marks in terms of the long term for Mercedes Monet. But seeing this run, what she has been able to generate for stardom slash New Japan, if you are Mercedes, like what are you? What would you see as her path? Because she is one that does have a lot of options outside of wrestling as well that she is going to want to explore too. Does this kind of, is this a good balance for her professional wrestling wise to be with with a company that does not require her to be there weekly? Hmm. I think I would balance it with something in North America. Um, I, I, I think all of this is suggesting that, you know, she comes at a very high price point. Um, that stardom and Bushi Road in New Japan can really only afford um, 
like maybe one match extensions at a time uh, you know so maybe after this long beach show they'll they'll come to an agreement to maybe get another date I, who knows but um clearly she she might be a lot a lot more expensive than maybe what stardom is able to justify through what they're generating and maybe like at this point maybe even more than what AEW cuz like i i'm kind of surprised that like you know mm, if the option is out there that that she wouldn't um have already you know maybe further talks with a company like that but again like she's not somebody who just needs to rely on professional wrestling so how i ultimately see her returning to the wwe as maybe you know a bigger star and if that's maybe your long-term goal then this might be the only time you'd be able to experience you know working in japan training in japan um doing taking on movie projects just as yourself so for the time being yeah maybe it's a good good option for her it's you know, and we don't know all the full like details of how this show did, but I think this this show on Sunday would be the best representation of the, the Mercedes Monet investment and what obviously it's coming with a price tag. How well did it pay off on Sunday? Like we saw, we saw the response. Like they sold several hundred tickets when she was announced for San Jose. She did the Sakura Genesis show, but this was the show that everything was building towards, and this was making a big impact to try and. Uh, get North American viewers to tune in. So if she yeah. can look at this as being a, like, if there was a big spike for this show of th- their English language viewers, she has to take a lot of the credit for that. Well, the question is, what what exactly does the big spike entail? Because I believe it's been reported that what the, the, the buy rate for this show is five times more than the last stardom show. But what is a five of, times of, of us viewers or okay, of the us viewer. viewers but what are but you five you're talking times, a very five, small times. baseline number so yeah. whatever so. you're talking about on top of that is um you know it's again i think you outlined some of the issues that this is not going like there there's friction i would say between a, a viewer that has never watched stardom before and just like for people that order stardom shows all the time, it's, it makes no sense that you would have any problem with this, but for a new person, like it's, it's a different site. It's, yeah. it's, it's not another something bill. that they're comfortable with. And, and you're asking people to buy pay-per-views when like, I think in North America, people are already starting to get conditioned to getting everything as part of a subscription service for $10. A this is a $33 ask yeah. us yeah. as well. So it's, so it's a bit of an investment. So again, like I, I can only assume, you know, somebody like a Mercedes is, asking for and is worth something like you know what a jericho is was getting for a new japan or what a moxley was getting for a new japan but is the system in place for stardom to recoup that money is the system in place for a new japan to recoup that money through their limited featuring of women's wrestling i and for that reason i, I don't know how long this relationship can really last well the relationship between aew and triple r continues to deepen after it was thought to be maybe they would be at odds with one another well they have now triple a has been able to put together the match they have wanted for so long on mexican soil el Hijo del vikingo and kenny omega july 15th at tijuana uh, as part of triple mania 31 it will be for the mega championship the rematch from their march 22nd sh- uh, match on dynamite uh, so we, way we've got a dream match twice in one year can you can, is a dream match still a dream match after you've already seen it? I don't have you to can, dream you, it anymore. You can redream it. A redream match. All right. I'll tell you, these two they have a pretty high bar to clear from their last match, yeah. and I'm sure these two are going to attempt to do it. Um, this is going to be this is very similar to our discussion point of you know stardom. Like this is going to be uh, Triple A trying to you know 
peak for a major event and uh, a match that your audience is going to want to see. And and, th- and this is one that is available on fight. Yeah. I, I, I think it'll probably generate a good amount of buzz, you know, and I, I would say like, this is maybe proof that like these sort of like co-promotional working relationships are beneficial for everybody. Um, what do we, does, be it, does this get any promotion on AEW? Because they have, very... they have certainly been willing to work with a lot of companies, but when it comes to in program promotion, that is something we don't see. You might get a mention from Excalibur on commentary, but I don't think you're seeing a graphic or anything like that. You know, it's it's just it doesn't, doesn't seem to be an AEW style. But you can argue like, hey, like the first match was enough promotion in and of itself for this rematch. Um, what does it mean for Kenny Omega's contractual status with AEW? Because Conan had said the, the hold up the last time was because Kenny was sort of in limbo with his. Well, I, I think part of that was Conan kind of speculating on what, what the issues were. I don't I, I wouldn't read this match announcement as indicative of, you know, this is a sign that Kenny Omega has signed. We, we don't know the exact. Um, well, you, you can do the math. His deal was going to be up in what, February? And then he had all those months that he was gone that the deal got extended. So it's not as though that would add up to his deal being up by July. Like we, but you could looking, re-up, you could renegotiate, but you're you right. Could. Like, we, we yeah, you certainly could. I mean, it's it's not saying. All I would say is like th- th- this could mean either one. Like, right. I I don't think that this is evidence of uh, a, a new deal being being signed. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. it's it's a very big get for 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 Triple A to have this match. They've also announced uh, it's the second round of their mask and hair tournament with Arush and L.A. Park against Psycho Clown and Sam Adonis, uh, which came out of the last triple mania so the winners or sorry the losers will face each other in august in the final triple mania show of the year in a mask versus hair match they are also going to do a copa triple mania show uh match with one team led by nicho the original psychosis against a team led by negro casas and there reportedly are going to be seven matches on the show so four more to be announced WBD and WWE. So we talked about this on Friday when James Andrew Miller did uh, his big appearance on Train of Thoughts last week. And Fightful does have an update. So James Andrew Miller, for those that are unfamiliar, he is a pretty prominent media reporter that has written books on CAA, uh, did one on HBO, ESPN. So he was on Train of Thoughts and he had stated he was theorizing the idea of Raw leaving Monday nights. And when discussing Warner Brothers Discovery, I mean, he flat out stated that he knows that Warner Brothers Discovery is interested in WWE programming. It was not him, you know, this is my theory or like he pretty much stated that he knows this. So Fightful um, stated that uh, based on their information that this has not been the case and that several WWE higher-ups had inquired as to whether or not that's something people within the industry have heard and noted that they'd not heard about that whatsoever. We're told there haven't been conversations regarding WWE and Warner Brothers Discovery. There have been conversations with several places that serve as possibilities, however, and then goes on to state that sources at Warner Brothers Discovery tell the opposite. There was nothing ill of WWE noted in our conversations, but they indicated that WBD is gearing up to substantially expand their relationship with AEW from both a financial and content perspective that will become evident soon. So from that sign, it is it would not appear that you know Fightful was able to detect any any smoke to the fire that James Andrew Miller uh, put out on train of thoughts. Um, at the same time, it's 
it was not a denial from Warner Brothers Discovery either. It sounds like this is them stating that, um, you know, they are what, what I read this to be is they have a significant commitment to AEW and whether they have some pipe dream of being able to just add more wrestling, um, which I would not see as as feasible. Um, you know, t- time will certainly tell if Warner Brothers Discovery becomes any kind of a player for wrestling outside of AEW, but it would seem uh, WWE is not aware of any of that. And Warner Brothers, I certainly would not take this as anything to be uh, concerned if you're an AEW fan of them choosing one over the other. And their programming slate would only back that up. Like they are only adding more hours. And I would not sense them dropping AEW and and doing all of this additional programming. Right. Yeah. um, I... I don't know if there is really that much concern maybe to begin with um, just based off of such, you know, limited information that, that we've had. Um, do we know that? Um, sorry. What was the uh, 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 media journalist? James name? Andrew Miller. Yeah. Did James Andrew Miller simply mean there's interest meaning, Hey, like somebody said, I'm in, uh, we're, uh, I'm, I'm interested. You know, like, does it? Do we know that it, it went any further than maybe? All, all I will say, that? like, for, for 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 those that are maybe not familiar, like, I'll just say, like, James Andrew Miller, like, he is very well sourced in the industry. I mean, mm-hmm. if it, it, from a wrestling standpoint, like, for his HBO book, he wanted to get an interview with Vince McMahon, got an interview with Vince McMahon. You know what I mean? Yeah. How many how many sit downs has Vince McMahon done in the last like five years? He did one with James Andrew Miller. So, um, you know, he is someone that I would certainly. Um, it, it's not like it's just some random person um, throwing out mm. that that knowledge, but but he but extent, he did simply state there's interest, right? And that's that it. And, and it's it's an incredibly vague description. Um, yeah. And in what context? Um, certainly, uh, it, it would be irresponsible to just jump to conclusions and think it means uh, a whole lot more, given right. their contractual obligations to AEW. But I mean, you 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 have to look at all of these potential suitors as. Mm. You know, who are, is are any of these places going to say flat out? No, we're not interested now. I mean, you're you're always keeping options open, I would think. Yeah, he seemed to really like dig into like the whole Monday movement um, mm-hmm. aspect of it. And uh, do you look any further into that? The fact that like he was so um, maybe, you know, keen on expanding on, on that discussion. So he he to me would would not strike me as someone that is a, an ardent professional wrestling follower. So mm-hmm. to me, when he was talking about that, it's obvious to me that that's coming from sources like that. He's obviously had these talks with people, whether that's with Warner brothers discovery, whether that's for other broadcasters mm-hmm. and it would be a natural idea you would come up with. Like wrestling fans might be married to Monday nights, but for other broadcasters, I mean, they might look at Monday night as, okay, this is, this is the number one show on on cable, uh, but it's got to face Monday Night Football X amount of nights of the year. Can we just find a night where that's not a problem? Even though, mm-hmm. I, like Monday Night Football and Raw, they have gone hand in hand since the invention of of Raw. So it's like we're talking about a thirty year head to head problem that they have had. Um, but but yeah, to answer your question, I would imagine that that's coming from some conversations he's had because he was very specific about that note. Hmm. We continue on. We'll stay on the television front. SmackDown on Friday did 2,175,000 viewers, a 0.54 in the demo. So this was actually their lowest audience of the year going against uh, NBA playoffs on both ABC and ESPN and NHL playoffs on TNT and TBS, uh, their lowest 18 to 49 number since January the 6th. And in Canada, the 
the bloom has come off the rose way after, you know, months of just monster numbers in Canada. They did 161,300 viewers and 48,000 in the demo, which would be their lowest demo figure this year. This was ninth among uh, sports programs for the night in Canada uh, going against, uh, well, the same as the U.S. with NHL and NBA playoff games going on. But this Friday, they are certainly gearing up to try and do a sizable audience both with the wrestlemania rematch and the draft right yeah yeah no um you don't want to you don't want to fuck with hockey if you're in canada okay no and we we should mention like raw is raw was on oln again this week and Mm. up against the leafs and lightning tonight which i like raw i am sure is going to get nailed in canada tonight like that is uh i'm i'm sure that's going to be a monster number that the leafs uh pull did you see edge and christian attended the game tonight in tampa I did not. Interesting. Okay. We're there. Last thing we will note, um, a bunch of stuff coming up the next two nights between NXT and Dynamite. We've got spring breaking. Joey Janela's spring breaking. I don't think he'll be on this show. I don't think Joey Gacy's spring breaking. I don't think early morning guy steel is going to be on this one. Probably not. No one's, uh, no, no, uh, no explosions, none of that sort, but we will have Carmelo Hayes and Grayson Waller for the NXT title. A triple threat with Indy Hartwell, Tiffany Stratton, and Roxanne Perez for the women's title. Braun Breaker against Andre Chase. Cora Jade against Lyra Valkyria. Fallon Henley and Josh Briggs taking on Kiana James and Brooks Jensen. And the match that is going to draw way in on Tuesday night. It's a trunk match between Pretty Deadly against Tony D'Angelo and Channing Lorenzo, where the losers are the ones that are stuffed into a trunk. Have we had a a trunk match? Is there a history of trunk matches? We've had ambulance matches. We've had casket matches. I don't think we've ever had a trunk match. Dog cage matches, I believe we've had. Yes. Um, Trunk match? A first-time trunk match? Wow. Okay. No, a lot of trunks come with the the, the safety inside that you can open the trunk from inside. Yes. For this very reason, for a trunk match. I I would hope that one of them has this disabled um, ahead of time. Have you ever been locked in a trunk? Never. No. Have you? No. I, I would be so claustrophobic if I was mm. in a trunk. Will they be wearing trunks? I would hope um, so. Perhaps. Perhaps. Maybe one of them <laughs> will get hit by an elephant trunk. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And All you know. Yeah. And maybe they'll get interviewed by Eddie Trunk afterwards. Okay. Moving I, on. I don't know who that is. But... Dynamite from Sunrise, Florida on Wednesday has Darby Allen against Sammy Guevara in the Four Pillars Tournament. Jade Cargill against Taya Valkyrie for the TBS title. And on Rampage, it was explained by Mark Sterling that Taya cannot use Road to Valhalla. Orange mm-hmm. Cassidy against Bandito for the international title. This should be great. Yes, yes. Orange Cassidy really in anybody, but especially, uh, or Bandito in anybody. So yeah, sounds great. Kenny Omega and Kanosuke Takeshita against The Butcher and The Blade. Jeff Jarrett against Dax Harwood. Jeff, Jeff Jarrett versus. I want to see. Sure, are you sure this isn't spring breaking? It might be. Um, well, you know, it's it is no break for Tony Khan's announcements because he yeah. will have a big one on Wednesday. Or I, think, going- I think every wrestling show from this point on will have either a Tony Khan or a Triple H announcement. Yeah, maybe they'll yeah. come up with like a special like playlist of the Tony Khan big announcements. I think that should be a category for best of best best Tony Khan announcement. Sure. Yeah. What's been the best one this year? Wembley. Well, we one. haven't had too many this year, have we? Well, we'll see what he has this week. Wardlow and Arn Anderson on the show, and Adam Cole will speak. 
So uh, it, it's a pretty loaded dynamite show. Some very like Darby and Sammy Guevara is going to be great. Cassidy and Bandito is going to be very good. I imagine Omega and Takeshita together against Butcher and the Blade. I'm and- most excited for that. You know, just to kind of see Takeshita and Omega. I mean, Omega really like has done pretty well as as far as like tag team partners goes. And uh, this one with the DDT connection, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. That is all of your news. You can go to postwrestling.com for more. We had some fantastic shows on the site this past weekend. We had the NWA podcast with Nate Milton, Andrew Thompson, and Chris Ely recovering from WrestleMania weekend back. And also back was Brian Mann, who was also there in LA over uh, WrestleMania week, dropping some uh, some some news and, and notes from his uh, interactions during WrestleMania week. They covered uh, plenty, including... Uh, Devonte's uh loss at wrestlemania and some great booking ideas i think from brian you know like let's let's not forget the man is is an incredibly successful um did you know he works for hot ones did you know he's an executive producer at hot ones you know i that? did not know that that's like the most popular show in the world okay he's uh, he's so, a big deal he's a big he does deal. that of course he's got outside interference uh one of the most popular youtube channels that's going on right now but of course the man you saw also used to be a part of WWE, wwe creative so um, it was lovely to you know get to hear some of his thoughts on uh, how he would have yeah. booked maybe some of this. I thought they also had a really great discussion on the whole Mississippi welfare scandal that's going on that's involving Brett Favre, but more um, more connected to pro wrestling is the DiBiase family that is all over this thing. It's a, it's a really terrible story, and it's gotten a lot of national attention, um, but it's uh, it was a very good discussion that they had on that. Plus, we had uh, Karen and Bruce's review on the cafe and a new WrestleNomics radio with the uh, the Holy Trinity together of Chris, Jesse, and Brandon. And the greatest edition of Bing GPT predicting the renewal rights and how each are going to do. Um, I would love to watch Brandon just spend a whole night on uh, with, with like AI generated questions of what what the future will hold. Uh, yes, I think that that uh, Bing GPT could be an, an official fourth host of of uh, Wrestle WrestleNomics, perhaps. Really, true, uh, true or false? You you have uh you you have discovered uh you you have dove into some of this. Yeah, yeah. I I typed up a a potential script um of a review. Like I just asked Chat GPT to like um make a review of uh john pollock and waiting for post wrestling and it gave me like a whole script so maybe at some point we'll read it we won't even tell you all we'll just you'll just have to figure it out to see if we're coming up with these words or if chat gpt is well coming up this week you are going to get a non-ai version of Braden harrington and davy portman tuesday night 10 15 eastern on this very channel after spring breaking they're going to be having the spring break in after party. So check that out Tuesday night. Wednesday, we're here for Dynamite. And Thursday, Way and I, we're going to do the only thing we know how to do, talk. It is coming up this Thursday. We're going to cover life, AI, Twitter, Elon, um, health, smoothies. We're coming at you hard. Smoothies especially. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be a smoothie listen. Okay. I, I Thursday like... for cafe members. <laughs> there's a sentence I said on the show that I, I didn't think I had ever broadcast. <laughs> I don't even know what this line was. It's just, it's just tune in and find out. Uh, this, okay. this I'm going to tune in and find out now. <laughs> yes. All that and more. Plus we will be live Friday night at 10 Eastern after the draft. So 10 Eastern rampage is on at five 30 on Friday. So um, TBD, if we will have time to watch Rampage, but we will definitely have a thorough SmackDown review and night one of the draft. 
But on we go to Raw. I'm exhausted by this point. I'm ready to just sign off now. We had Raw in a very hot All-State Arena, 12,952 sellout, according to WrestleTix. And this was a pretty hot crowd. I mean, they were into most everyone on this show. They brought up a ton of the matches and various segments. A pretty great crowd in Chicago. Kind of living up to Chicago's, um, you know, reputation, right? Cody came out. And he went over the craven and cowardly attack by Brock Lesnar. It was one of the most humiliating beatdowns he's ever received. But let me show you this. And he took off his shirt and tie and threw them into the crowd. And he showed off his scar from the torn peck that he competed in this very arena at Hell in a Cell last June. He's never watched the match back. And he challenges Lesnar. Pick a spot. Give me another scar. And he said that that night... It was you, the people that lifted me up and carried me through. And I thank you. I mean, this guy, just the ultimate baby face. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I feel like this was a week where Cody kind of like, you know, was put more back into focus as like a main event player. I mean, he really has been throughout the weeks, but I would say the loss and maybe the disappointment coming off of the WrestleMania was kind of still on him where he kind of felt like, you know, guy who had failed his task, guy who who's a second placer. And to a large extent, he still kind of does. But I thought today he really kind of stepped up and felt like he was like a main player, you know, a, like the guy again, at least for now. He's confronted by Finn Balor, who states that Cody could not win on his own. He'd be a perfect fit for the Judgment Day. They would be unstoppable. But Cody respectfully declines the offer. And Balor says, you're either with us or against us. And you better watch your back or I'm going to slap that bleach off your hair. And Cody notes that he was medically cleared earlier today. He wants a match with Finn Balor, and it is made for later in the show. Nice open to the show, and I agreed with you with Cody. The audience, uh, they took to him as a big star. I I still heavily question not going with, with Cody at WrestleMania, yeah. but I can't, I can't argue that you look at some of these numbers they're posting for these shows coming up, and the reaction Cody's getting, I can't say Cody has been uh, diminished by this, but I... I but he could have really, been much bigger. I I completely agree, and I especially feel... with some of the decisions oh, oh. later on today, we will we will get to it. Like, it it just makes WrestleMania that much more questionable. We're getting um, there, yeah. The Usos and Solo Sokoa against the LWO, and the LWO comes out to new theme music with a sample of the Viva La Raza off the top, which is interesting given that Chavo Guerrero was um, doing a signing over the weekend, and of course Andrew Thompson found this, and mm-hmm. Chavo was pretty vocal about the fact of like the amount of usage WWE gets out of the Guerrero name and not being so cool with it about how, how much they have used, utilized this. And it's just interesting to hear uh, one of the Guerreros speak about that openly. Yeah. Uh, so we should uh, mention it was a virtual signing with captain's corner where this news uh, came up, but yeah, uh, transcribed and put out to the world uh, by uh, Andrew Thompson. So credit to that man. I don't know. Carried, if this is... uh, posted uh, the New York Post picked this up, crediting uh, post wrestling. Yeah, Look at that made it to the top of Squirt Circle uh, without crediting post wrestling, but nonetheless, oh. it's it's all right. Um, but uh, Andrew does a great job. Uh, does a great job as always. I don't know if this is him just kind of like you know working. I I I would always usually assume like wrestlers are. Um, I mean, he kind of was campaigning for like a a second match with Ray, right? So, was in yeah, that, there. That if you read more into it, I mean. Sometimes you look at these and you could probably see like it, it's rooted in some real feeling, but also with the knowledge that 
I can work something out of this. It's certainly what you can take it when he gets into the race stuff. Like it doesn't, it certainly does get into sort of that territory, but you can also imagine that there is, um, you know, some pushback, uh, perhaps as well, but nonetheless, um, so there's uh, dives by the LWO members. They clear the ring. Del Toro, who got to both him and uh, Joaquin Wild, I thought like this was a match that it was a hot crowd and they got a chance to really showcase. Th- these two are very underrated. I think Santos gets uh, a lot of the attention, but these two are very strong. Del Toro goes to the Phoenix Splash on Jimmy when Jay makes the save. Crowd is red hot. Santos runs into the post. There's a spinning solo to Wild on the edge. And then Del Toro is on top and he's setting up for a coast to coast. And Solo comes in, and the referee grabs him, and Del Toro's kind of got to just wait there. And then Solo gets free of the ref and is behind the ref's back as Del Toro leaps in the air and gets caught with the Samoan spike in midair. They follow with the 1D, pinning Del Toro in 8 minutes and 41 seconds. I thought the closing spot was pretty awesome. You know, like, uh, what, Samoan spike out of nowhere? Um Lovely little TV match, I thought. You know, yes, the Bloodline win, but I mean, I thought I thought that was a bit of a foregone conclusion. They should win um, going into Friday, of course. And and it's it's the Bloodline, like nobody beats them other than you know Sammy and Kevin. But I thought the LWO continued to like receive a lot of great exposure throughout all of this. They had most of the shine throughout this match, and you have to consider this to be a continued elevation for Legado del Fantasma. Santos, I think, has been showcased pretty well in his matches teaming with Rey Mysterio, but in this match, like you said. John, it was the other two, Joaquin, Joaquin Wild, oh man, Cruz names. del Toro, Cruz del Toro, yes, uh, who spent a lot of time in the spotlight, and I'm especially happy for somebody like a Joaquin Wild. Uh, God, what a what a WWE name, Joaquin Wild, uh, DJZ Zima on whatever you want to call him. Like these guys are finally getting significant roles in the company, as uh, WrestleNomics told us, the top merch sellers. Again, these LWO um, shirts are hot, and they're going to have a very big. Uh, I mean, those things are going to be gigantic sellers in Puerto Rico. Exactly. So for that reason, I, I'm happy to see them and get continued, fo- continued focus. They can afford a loss to the Usos, but I don't think they could be losing that much. So I I hope, you know, they, they get a push, like a real push soon coming off. I hope they're keeping them all together in this draft. Yeah, I, I would hope so too. Jay gets on the mic. He says they had one bad night at WrestleMania. They let down the bloodline. They let down the tribal chief. But Friday won't be a bad night. They're becoming nine-time champions and dedicating this win to Roman Reigns. And also then, wanted to – sorry, yeah. are you about to talk about this weird okay. shit we've been happening? Yeah. There was a bunch of technical issues on tonight's show, like yeah. way more than you would ever expect on a WWE broadcast. And the first mm-hmm. one that was really noticeable is – Kevin Patrick and Corey Graves, who are teeing up the tag match for Friday, while the camera is on Kathy Kelly for like 15 seconds before they finally cut back. And throughout the show, like shaky cameras, like when they were doing the make wish, they, they were cutting like, away to cameras that weren't ready to be live on air or constant. cutting to sources. Yeah. It was very noticeable throughout tonight. Like it was, um, I, the I most, can't remember a WWE show that had this many production snafus. The most I've seen on a WWE production. Yeah. Like it was that uncharacteristic to the point where I, I mean, it could be maybe a very inexperienced person um, switching, but I'm I'm more likely to think that it was some sort of technical issues that they just couldn't have like figured out throughout the broadcast because I can't imagine with the amount of professionals that are back there that this wouldn't have been handled and changed right away. So something weird w- was certainly happening. Very glaring on a WWE broadcast. So they 
they get back to uh, Kathy Kelly, who then interviews uh, Bianca Belair, who is confronted by damage control. And Bailey is cutting Sky's promo for her, but then Sky cuts her off and has her own message for Belair and wants her tonight. And Bailey makes it a a six a six woman tag uh, with Belair going off to find two partners. And where would Belair be able to find two partners? Well, thankfully. Um, all champions reside under one roof and you have access to multiple locker rooms and you can always find partners, but that well, will not be the case in a few weeks. Hey, Tamina's hanging out in the parking lot with CM Punk. Why didn't you go there? Those should have been our two partners. Yeah, really? Yeah. Jay Uso is on the phone and runs into Sami Zayn and can't, and Sammy can't believe he's dedicating his match to Roman Reigns and you're not doing it for yourself. What happens if you come up short? After putting Roman's name on this, it won't be good, and you don't deserve this. Jay asks, why do you care? Zane says, I feel bad. Jay tells him, don't worry. And Zane, you made your choice. I made mine. I really like this. You know, both of these two characters, I really feel like lost something, you know, from not being attached to one another. Sammy, uh, I don't think has been as interesting without the bloodline, and I don't think Jay has been as interesting without the tension of whether or not he was going to side with Sammy. So this is like a nice little kind of reheater to show that there's still mutual care and maybe even mutual love between these two. And they didn't come to blows. They had a, you know, conversation that got a little bit heated, but it felt like the conversation of like two people that like want to be friends and want to you know be be brothers but the things that standing in the way of the both of them is roman reigns sammy's beef clearly isn't with jay as much as it is with roman and jay's focus is isn't necessarily on beating up sammy it's to impress roman reigns so i hope this is a sign that this potential reunion is still a possibility and it also kind of set up you know the stakes here for the usos in this match yeah i i feel all four of these participants for this tag match have been somewhat handcuffed with Zane and Owens. It's, you know, it's the chase was the big thing. And now they've got the titles and you don't have the most thriving tag division that you have all these dream matches to get to. It's sort of this holdover with the Usos, which is fine. You should do a rematch, but then the Usos, their most compelling story involves the guy who's off television all month. So you've got to kind of continue this story when Roman isn't on TV. And I think it's, you know, you've certainly like lost some of this edge, which I'm hoping after this tag title match and after the pay-per-view, you get Roman back and you can build up to his Saudi Arabia show and reheat this story up because this has not been feeling like the hottest story since WrestleMania, but there's still a lot there with like the Usos losing on Friday. I think it's way more interesting for the Usos to lose Friday. Agreed. Yeah. Kelly interviews Trish Stratus who asked why Becky Lynch isn't here and mentions that Becky confided in her that she's under so much pressure as a performer, as a parent, while Trish notes, I have children and a lot going on too, but I took Becky out of her own misery. So she should be at home thanking me. My, my follow-up question, if Kathy Kelly had the time would have been, okay, we've answered why Becky isn't here. Can we ask, why are you here? <laughs> it's a great Chicago's question. Chicago's a long trip. <laughs> uh, you have can all know. this busy stuff that you you've got on your plate. And you're here. Well, maybe they'll just ex- explain like, hey, the, the man- attendance is mandatory when you're a part of the locker room. Okay. You might not necessarily get a match, but we at least expect you to check in. Okay. Paul's like in the back check t- uh, calling people's names and taking attendance. Is mandatory attendance 
I guess the if you have like X amount of lates, then we water down your championship. That's the punishment. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, you know, I think Trish is finding her footing still. Like you know, for compare, like I because I just watched some clips of her like in her prime as a heel, and just like the smoothness is just really incredible. I think she's still getting there and she would probably admit the same. Um, but she's, she's getting there and I'm, I'm excited for this feud. Like I think once Becky comes back, it'll like probably do really well. Do you see them going to that in Saudi Arabia? Yeah. Cause it's not for backlash. So it seems no. probably likely right for Saudi. It would seem really tough to hold this on this off further than that. I mean, you could mm-hmm. always do, something to get through Saudi Arabia and then you're off until money in the bank. So there's, there's that possibility too. Um, right. Street profits and Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. Are you familiar with Alexander and Benjamin? Yeah. I think they used to be in the hurt business. Used to. Yes. That, and that went, uh, that revival didn't really take, did it? That what happened to that backstage meeting when we saw them in the background talking? About I them? don't know what the hell. Like obviously something got changed. MVP is, you know, guys. Oh. I think I think that ship sailed. Yeah. Well, the silencer was hit by Dawkins. Shelton made the save. They tried their best here. They had two minutes and eighteen seconds. Uh, Spinebuster from the heavens and uh, Alexander ate the fall. And Corey Graves was saying that could be the last match we ever see of the Street Profits together. Like, okay, yeah, this this could be the end of an era. <laughs> uh what a way to yeah. go out <laughs> yeah um i mean this match really didn't serve much purpose other than to you know have some live wrestling on the show and to remind everybody hey tag teams and factions can be broken up next week so we'll see maybe out comes triple h for his monumental announcement and he mentions defending this title in this very arena at wrestlemania 22 which the man is, uh, his memory is eluding him that it was actually him challenging John Cena for the title at that WrestleMania. Oh, okay. I mean, could have fooled me. I know we were both there, but um, I didn't, I don't remember this much. That was, uh, that, that, that was uh, Conan the Barbarian Hunter coming out, wasn't it? Right. With, okay. Do you remember who was part of uh, John Cena's entrance? Uh, who? CM, CM Punk? Punk was one yes. of the gangsters. Of course. Full yeah. circle. Maybe seeing a politely tone. Can you just leave the arena now? Mm. <laughs> we got a show to do. So he's here to discuss Roman Reigns approaching a thousand days as champion. And Roman negotiated himself into a position where he doesn't have to defend the title as frequently. And it has taken us a thousand days to realize that this is not, this is not enough title defenses. The fans need more. So when Roman Reigns is drafted, he will take the undisputed the undisputed WWE Universal Championship to that brand and stay there. The other brand will determine a new champion, the disputed World Heavyweight <laughs> Champion, which will be crowned May 27th at Night of Champions. And he reveals this belt and says, this title, the winner will not demand your acknowledgement, but they will earn it. So we are going to have our split championships uh why did Roman Reigns win at WrestleMania? Why so, are we adding this title? So Why are we diluting a championship that we put three years into the monumental loss that this thing has been built up for to create this? Well, first of all, um, there is no such thing as an undisputed championship anymore. Um, the very exis- existence of the other one just, you know, constitutes that both of them will be disputed. So you have to get the U out. 
Yes, you do. Yeah. One of the use. They can yeah. keep universal. These are all great questions, John, that you brought up. Um, I, think I don't like have... this idea at all. I don't like this idea at all. I think we got to look at maybe like the pros and cons, just to kind of not even defending, you know, one decision or the other, but just just to kind of think of maybe like what the thought process was of of going this route. Okay, so I guess the pros of like introducing a new championship are that what, uh, and having Roman, I guess, not even having having to lose in order to introduce it is that I guess you don't have Roman Reigns have have to take a loss. Obviously, there's more merchandising opportunities. What do you think of the way it looks, by the way? Um. In the style of the big gold belt, of course. I like that it looks... Uh, I, I knew they'd want to plaster that logo on, on the front of it. I, li- I like that it looks different than the, the typical WWE championships that they've been using with just that that giant W with their with a blue or a red behind it. It seems to be like, you know, like if the current WWE championship and the big gold belt had a baby, it would be like this. Yeah. Anyway, this is going to sell a whole lot, and I guess maybe their belt uh, buying, div- uh, belt selling division. Um, you know, maybe, maybe. Well, well, they, well to that, to that, I would argue that when Roman hits a thousand days, they present him with this championship, and then you sure. can sell all of these titles. Listen, if if we were looking at house shows that were just struggling because there's no world champion on the road, if if we were seeing numbers that were just um depleted because roman is only around so often we've seen the total opposite of that and in its place we have for a year now had these titles together where they have in in this generation i don't think the title has ever felt more important and you know that from the examples of drew mcintyre of Sami Zayn, of cody rhodes that man when this guy loses that title it's going to be such a memorable moment Mm -hmm. and if you were so dead set on this direction it's only the latest evidence to have done that title switch three weeks ago. Yes. Let Cody it, be the one to state. I am not going to hold on to both of these. He can be the one to give up one, keep the other, which I don't even like that. I like the one consolidated title, but at least if you're going this way uh, to me, it just, it cheapens when Roman like well, is now we have the one B guy. And I think whoever wins this title to me, feels like such an inferior champion. I would hate for mm-hmm. Cody to win this version. I, th- I think you've always ha- you're always going to have that though. Like when they did it in what oh two oh three, like with Hunter actually getting the World Heavyweight Championship just granted to him. Um, you start off like recognizing Hunter as like sort of uh, the illegitimate. Well, remember champion? when the draft started and he was the undisputed champion and he was the guy that could go back and forth as that yeah. one singular champion, and then they split them. Yeah, when Brock moved, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think like start and then even when they introduce what what is it? The Universal Championship, like to start that was the, the, the second draft, they yeah. created that title to start. I think you always have like maybe that worry that, oh, this one one championship is going to feel inferior. I think largely audiences get over that, especially if it's like a hot program. It's not going to be maybe as regarded like highly regarded as this Roman Reigns championship at this point, because Roman is just like maybe so up there. But I think audiences will like accept you know, this as like a world title level. They will accept it way. But to me, it's like, you're okay. When Roman loses his belt, it's like, you're going to have this belt that you've built up to here. And we're going to have this new title. And all what's going to happen is that in a year from now, this is how we're going to view both titles. Yeah, they're just people, people that are just listening. John um, is basically suggesting that I'm saying you have two, you have two titles that mean less than one singular. Totally. Big title. 
Agreed. It waters it down completely. And that's one of probably the biggest con, you know, this second title feels secondary. Um, and I, you know, maybe the biggest heartbreak for me was, is the knowledge that neither Zane nor Cody could have taken one of these other championships at the time. Like they could have done a disputed finish at either elimination chamber or WrestleMania that somehow split the championships. Then if your idea was to have two traveling championships anyway, instead they chose to do this. So, um, like Those literally, are don't questions. don't you need now if if Roman is one champion, like mm-hmm. don't you have to merge his belts to create a new title? Like, what? Why yeah. would he be holding two separate belts now? Well, maybe he'll just drop the, the universal. Um, that that's even just a kind of a, an aside. Like, they're not just doing this for merchandising opportunities. I I think it's probably more to do with like the networks, maybe wanting you know specific champions, maybe wanting more championship ma- matches on their t- television products. Um. Or like what what was flat out stated is like having two champions on each show mm-hmm. that would qualify as a big picture idea. So you have to throw that option. Well, that, in that's what they're well. doing. Roman's not going to be changing brands. Sorry, would, would he? He'll be on one brand. He'll be on one brand. Yeah. Yes, I'm just saying, like a big picture idea. That is something that like Vince had stated. Like he would be right. in charge of like the big picture ideas, and there could okay. very well be like your your collision of ideas here where this is something where if this is mandated then Mm -hmm. you have to work this in because this to me goes counter to your three-year story of roman reigns to just create this new championship that to me just lessens the value of everything involved i agree i agree um like there's a time you can do this I, I, i don't think it's so detrimental to the roman reigns like championship run though like at this point, it's the run is almost like the undefeated length and the duration of his run is almost bigger than like the championship itself, you know, John. So does, does it lessen Cody if Cody wins this title first? It's not as big as if Cody won the undisputed one at WrestleMania. Yes, um, but again, like this tournament or wh- however they decided, like it's all going to be past challengers that have lost right. to Roman. Like you pretty much have the whole roster here that has fallen to Roman. Yeah. And that's what this feels like. It feels like the consolation belt. Well, there's no denying that like, yeah, Cody would have been a bigger deal or Sammy would have been a bigger deal or Seth Rollins would have been a bigger deal. Had he had, they won Roman's championship. But again, we don't know necessarily the reasons for this happening. If it's to, again, facilitate two championship brands for the, the benefit of the network or, or whatever, does this get you there? better than just having one champion i'm just looking like that's a fine theory like you have Mm -hmm. a champion on both shows but we have seen the opposite that both shows are doing numbers that like they are up they are up year over year like both shows are benefiting from the like we're seeing the evidence here and it's it's like it's not some wild theory it's not just my personal preference that i like one more one champion it's the the numbers suggest like this has worked agreed agreed yeah with all those points um the 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 caveat though is that like roman has been really like i would say a special champion could they could they strike that same magic like if it was another champion and also like i think all of this tells me that they're actually very serious about this brand split once it happens and and that's at least to start because um I don't know if you're going to like, they want to be able to tell singular stories on one show rather than having, let's say, you know, Cody wins the championship. And can you necessarily tell both of those stories without guys jumping across both shows? 
it at least gives me a little bit of optimism that they're you know sticking to this brand split um but maybe that's reason to be pessimistic because arguably the shows are better without a brand split uh, i i have yet to hear a a, a compelling argument why cody could not have won this uh three no ago. absolutely or to well, me it, that yeah, solves a lot of the weird the the questions Kathy Kelly approaches the Judgment Day. Valor goes off to get ready for his match. And Priest says it's awesome that Bad Bunny is here to promote Backlash. But if he gets in their business, he'll go through another table. I'm a bad guy. I don't go to Coachella and get on stage and get into his business, which is a fair point. Well, he should, maybe. Maybe he could have, uh, you know, on his Instagram story, been showing himself arriving at Coachella. Uh, I think it was last week, right? Or two uh, weeks ago? Something like that. Two weeks ago? That would have been a great place to do an angle. Wouldn't it? Chokeslam Maybe off he the interrupted uh, Frank Ocean. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There's a vignette for Bronson Reed. He's strong. The Usos and Sokoa are in their office, and Jimmy is going on about the title match, and Jay is despondent. And they ask, what's wrong? Jay asks, well, what happens if we lose on Friday? And he mentions that he ran into Sammy, and Jimmy loses it, calls it mind games that Zayn is using on you. And you cannot speak with Sammy Zayn. Jimmy won't even consider the idea of losing on friday yeah no we've got the romeo and juliet of you know wwe you cannot Star- talk to him star-crossed the lovers dread, the dreaded just, uh capulets and montagues here exactly just trying to have a conversation backstage but it's upsetting everybody and you know what are, are end, sammy and jay gonna end up poisoned you know how these tend to go yeah bianca belair and her partners raquel rodriguez and Liv morgan chaos and power where Raquel, they have now just come up with spots for Raquel to throw Liv around like a crash test dummy. She power bombs her on people, throws her out of the ring. That's their gimmick. It's like I throw you around because you're small. Yeah. Um, a bit more effectively than, I guess, Braun Strowman and Ricochet on Friday. A little bit. Uh, they're taking on damage control. Uh, heat on Liv for quite some time. She's reaching over, but then uh, as she is trying to get to Bel Air, she's pulled off the apron by EO. And then there's a backstabber on Kai, tags in Raquel, and Raquel power bombs Liv onto Bailey and Kai on the floor. And Bailey then rolls into the ring, is hit by the KOD in nine minutes and 30 seconds. And we uh, uh, didn't mention it during the promo spot, but they did confirm Bianca Belair will take on EO Sky at Backlash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Solid booking, you know. Um, although I really wouldn't have hated seeing EO pin bianca in this tag team situation because why not you know what a great way to heat eo up because i think anybody who's a competitor against against bianca really needs that extra step in order to be taken seriously um and bianca would have only gained a hotter challenger so but otherwise i thought a really good match got a really good crowd reaction throughout should be a very good match on the pay-per-view yeah we got we uh, we've already seen some you know early previews in in these interactions on these these walty woman tags i thought this was like good use of raquel and Liv as well you know setting them up as a surprise and then aligning them with bianca against a well-established heel team like the damage control because it's it's a struggle you know for raquel and Liv to find any sort of compelling opponents or tag team partners um like we saw on friday i don't believe like those matches have received like huge reactions but um Tonight, I thought it worked out well. Austin Theory came out, and it was the usual Austin Theory promo, but the crowd was really, really on top of him. So th- th- this was like your night after Mania crowd that they really wanted uh, for Austin Theory. They're chanting, you suck, you tapped out, and he is interrupted by Bobby Lashley, who gives him the uh, the Nick Khan. Listen, kid, I haven't met the kid. I haven't met the kid. 
Lashley says that Theory has run away from every obstacle. He knows how tough Austin Theory is, but doesn't think that Austin knows how, how tough he is. And he asks, are you lazy or are you scared? And I'm the one who requested a triple threat at Backlash. Theory asks, if you're so good at requesting matches, where was your match at WrestleMania? Which was like a great line that like Lashley had no comeback for. He's just like, I should ram your teeth down your throat. And uh, that's what he tried to do. He got into a fight. Reed the got up. injured. Yeah. Bronson Reed uh, got involved and it ended with Reed and Theory working together as Theory hit the A-Town down onto Lashley. But then Reed runs over Theory and hits him with the Tsunami. And holds up the belt, which ensures he's not winning the belt. Maybe does telegraph that. Yeah. Big reaction for the tsunami, uh, which tells me I think those vignettes that they've been airing have probably been at least effective for Chicago. Really, everything worked in front of Chicago tonight. You know? I mean, it was this was a very generous crowd for all, like heels, baby faces. Like they they elevated most on mm-hmm. the show. But not everyone. And that's why these guys were all in the back. We had Rick Boogs with Elias. Boogs is all stressed out with the draft coming out. So we get Chad Gable to explain how the draft works. This is, you are our human, like, text on the screen to explain the rules of the draft. That there will be people eligible on night one and others eligible on night two. And Gable and Maxine are both fighting for control of Otis. And Mustafa Ali walks in saying they have to have a positive mentality and that Gable could reach his full potential if he's on his own, but he's a loser. So that is our premise for Chad Gable and Mustafa Ali tonight, which when I heard this, I was like, listen, I'll take it. I'll take it if we're going to get these two on TV. Um, we got a minute 50 of these two where Ali missed a 450. Chaos Theory is countered into a roll-up and Ali wins in his hometown. Yeah, big surprise. Huge. There you go. I think this like positive Ali character is like might be a front runner for my least favorite gimmick this year. It's it's been pretty grating um, every time I've had to see it because it just I think Mustafa Ali is awesome, but this just feels so such a bad fit for him. This and maybe, feels like a guy that has just been like, you know what? I could go on Twitter and say I was uh, rejected my release today, and this is when I'm a free agent. But he's deciding, you know what? I'm done fighting. I'm just going to take this, and we're just going to yeah. ride yeah. it out. Are you saying maybe the dyad is like that result for Grizzly? I'm, I'm saying at this stage, Ali would probably be intrigued to be in the dyad. <laughs> maybe. Uh, but, you know, maybe maybe they made him happy by giving him a win here in a minute, um, 30 seconds in I, Chicago. I'm, I'm sure this is a huge, a huge change his mind. Highlight. He's going to re up. This is a Wikipedia entry in his bio. Yeah. Zane catches up with Jimmy Uso, and Jimmy tells him basically to stay away from Jay and asks, you know, instead of asking about my brother, what about yours? Owens never forgave you. He just used you to get to the tag titles. So what happens if you guys lose the belts? It's going to be Owens turning on you, and you're going to deserve it. Mind games. Good. Some good psychology here from Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Finn Balor, Cody Rhodes. Cody's ribs are taped up. Crowd was very hot for this. We see Cody landing a super kick, then stops a shotgun drop kick, hits the Cody cutter. Balor comes back stomping on the ribs, shotgun drop kick, but misses the coup de grace. And Crossroads is turned into an inside cradle, but then Cody recovers. Pedigree, Crossroads, 11 minutes and six seconds as Cody gets the win. I kind of forget that he's like adopted the pedigree just as like, like a move now, you know, like he's. 
He's not te- just teasing it. He's actually doing it now. But it's only the so. setup for the finisher. I know. Hmm. I think Cody selling was really good here. You know, with every breath, you could kind of see the pain on his face as he was trying to sell his ribs. It's It was a fim- similar type of like feeling or, or, uh, to a much smaller degree that I had uh, with his Hell in a Cell torn pack match. And I think he just continues to deliver these like really great main event level babyface performances just filled with like, I think, great... Um, you know, so, uh, audience reaction and audience connection, first of all. Like, I'm – people might get mad at me, but, like, I kind of see him, like, approach the level of, like, a Tanahashi when it comes to just, you know, a guy who's wrestling not just for the moves, but everything in between the moves. I think Cody is really good at, at all that. Um, and I think Balor did great in his role, too. He's probably the guy who had more reason to, you know, actually sell, <laughs> just given all of the injuries that he's Dude, This guy's with, worked but... every week since WrestleMania. Yeah, absolutely. He's got no time off. Seth comes out to discuss his big match with Omos and explain to us why is this happening. But he gets distracted by the new championship belt and says, some of us still want to fight. And this title is our chance to fight and push the industry forward. And this title will mean more than politics and part-timers. Yeah. What, are you surprised at how much like um, they've kind of pinned the part-timer politician label onto Roman Reigns in story here tonight? Like, between what Hunter said and between what Rollins said here? Like, he's being painted as, like, you know, a guy who does not respect. The The Hunter promo was interesting because the first half of it, it's like he's going out of his way to just compliment Roman and this incredible run, and he is the champion. But then the back half of it is all in the, you know, pretty much just like he's not going to make you acknowledge people are going to earn your respect you know yeah yeah it's um you know there was more of it than they've they've done in in the past with roman but that's kind of like the story to explain why they are adding a championship when we have a champion well they're kind of making roman feel like an illegitimate champion and i don't know if that's as, as a way to prop this new one up um, or if they're trying to build something with Roman against an authority figure or something, but it felt kind of uncharacteristic and unproductive for a Roman Reigns. I mean, that was the playbook yeah. they did with Brock forever, and I didn't think that was the best uh, utilization. That here's the guy that um, has no interest in being here. Right. Yeah. Weird. MVP says he respects Seth Rollins immensely. He's one of the best superstars to ever grace a WWE ring, and my job is to get Omos giant matches and. You shouldn't be overlooking Omos because you might not have a future after Backlash. Rollins says that Omos is a a once-in-a-generation talent because he was born that way. Rollins is a a once-in-a-generation talent because I made myself that way. I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to give you the match of your life. And then you're going to wake up hearing an arena singing your song. And that is our setup for Backlash. Can Seth get a great match out of Omos and then move on to something important? <laughs> um, it, have have USC fighters ever like said threatened somebody by saying I'm going to give you a great match and then I'm going to beat you? I'm going to give you a great fight. I mean, I guess it is like you know maybe just like Gaethje. Yeah, like people want to try to achieve fight of the night, right? Like that's that's a thing. Yeah, but you kind of you kind of need to to pull that off like if you're like what what usually gets fight of the night it's not they're not squash matches it's like no, you know, no back and forth like affairs. A back and forth fight so rollins is promising this will be a 50 50 match basically um 
Yeah, he's going to, I mean, he's, he's pretty much in not so many words that I'm, I'm going to hit you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you me. like three and a half stars out of this because that's probably your ceiling. Uh, I love that. And, and that the, seems generous. What did the Brock Ranch get? Do you know? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> if he has any chance of like elevating himself to maybe a four star level, it would be against Seth Rollins, I would say. I mean, so. if he does, then he's a miracle worker if he, if he yeah. can do that. I mean, I'm, I'm still curious to see this match. And, and really, the, the sheer the, dynamics of it. This is like, uh, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura and Bad Luck Fale. At, at, like Nakamura, like the one where he like busted his nose open and actually got like a pretty great match out of Fale. Who could have okay. his moments? Fale had his moments. Yeah, but the, the match, uh, certainly the build for this is really simple. Just kind of like you know, put have these two stand side by side, show the size discrepancy, and and let's see what happens. We go to the back. And last week, Way was talking about like the real committed evolution of the Matt Riddle character to be more serious. Well, we're back to explaining Little Giants. This movie came out like 30 years ago with Rick Moranis and Ed O'Neill, and he's explaining the annexation of Puerto Rico. I just I could not believe that I could recall all of this when uh, I I I had this movie on VHS. It was one of those movies you saw a bunch of times. Did you ever see it? Football movie? No, I never yeah, it's saw a, it. a kid's football movie. It's it's not worth seeing. Owens just screams, where have you been to Sammy? Because he's been stuck all day listening to this guy. Owens cannot understand why Zane is still speaking with the Usos. He said, it's too late for them. And I'm only worried about keeping these tag titles. And storms off. And Riddle tells Zane, I know what you're going through. And Zane says, really? Do you? And he mentions that every week people told me Randy was going to turn on me, but we were bros and so are you and, and Owens and Zane thinks about it and says, okay, thanks. He actually did have a connection to what these two are going through. Mm -hmm. And I, I did, I did like Owens in this segment. Like the idea that not only is this in tune with the Owens character, which some of these babyface promos have not been, but this also feeds into the whole Usos or Jimmy's like theory that Owens doesn't care about you. He cares about the tag titles. And once they lose them, he's going to turn on you. And this interaction by Sammy with Kevin would only reinforce that if you're already having that, that doubt about Kevin's real intentions here. Interesting. Hmm. I, I guess I didn't think about it that, that deeply, but I, 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 think I had a lot a of time point. to think way. I was still trying to make sense out of the, the third world title in this company. Mm-hmm. Bad Bunny documented his whole arrival to Chicago on his Instagram story. Guy, This guy was auditioning for a role on like Nitro in the glory days. Showed up like 10 minutes before the show was going off the air. I know. Really? Like maybe he was just circling around Chicago. Rey Mysterio against Damian Priest is the main event and Bad Bunny arrives. Um, Good match here. Priest runs his shoulder into the post, and Ray hits an Asai moonsault, sets up Priest in place for the 619, but is dropped with a super kick, avoids the razor's edge, but then takes an elevated flatliner, and Priest goes for a chair, which is drop kicked through the ropes, and he goes for south of heaven. It's countered to a head scissors. Ray hits the 619, climbs to the top for the frog splash, but Priest whips the chair at Ray's head, causing the DQ at 11 minutes and three seconds and then hits the south of heaven to Ray, clears the desk, when out comes Bad Bunny to save Hefe. And he's got a kendo stick. 
and he comes and he attacks Damian Priest. And my God, these kendo stick shots just sounded like a baseball bat going off of Damian Priest. And they fight on the desk. He takes out Damian's leg. Huge swings here by Bad Bunny as Priest is retreating. And it ends with Bad Bunny standing on top of the desk, addressing Damian Priest and announcing, I'm no longer hosting Backlash. Now I'm going to Puerto Rico to kick your ass and announces that it is Damian Priest against Bad Bunny in a street fight, a singles match they are going with. Yeah, yeah. Um, didn't expect this. I, th- I don't know if a lot of people did, you know? This is a really curious choice when Ray and Dominic made all the sense in the world. Um, and yeah, I I mean, Ray was so attached to this. I just, I, I mean, you would imagine that Ray would have some presence in this with Dominic, yeah. but... Maybe they feel the singles direction is the uh, more valuable uh, way to go. I'm, I mean, it is the more valuable way to go. You know, like just just promoting a a bad bunny like wrestling match, and especially in a featured pro like singles profiled spot. Like, I think this becomes your main event, or at least maybe the most attention you'll get to a match it, it itself. I can only maybe suspect like this might've been bad bunny's call. Like I'm sure he wanted the challenge last time we saw him. Of course it was a tag team match. Saw him in the rumble. He's never had a singles match. So this is a big test for him. And I think we, he's, he's shown enough that I'm sure he'll be more than capable, especially. And and they're going to work it with the street fight gives them a a lot of latitude. And I mean, already you're going to have a red hot crowd and with weapons and such, I, this will get over very well. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think Ray will be involved. Um, you can do Dom. all of that stuff, do some run-ins and people will get into it. I mean, really, you just want to see a 619 thrown in there and, you know, Ray and Bad Bunny celebrating at the end. But I, I feel like the the sort of, um, you know, the the billing of a Bad Bunny singles match is is big. It's really big. Uh, th- th- that might WWE. be the thinking. It might be as simple as yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So this is shaping up to be like a really big show for the for the company be- between this and certainly you know, a bigger backlash than we've had in many many years. We're, no, we don't have a zombie lumberjack match though. Mm. Well, there's still time. You're right. So that was Raw, largely built around the Bad Bunny angle, the addition of the championship, and a great crowd in in Chicago. So yeah. those uh, yeah. it had a lot of factors working for it, but some puzzling stuff, I would say. Like and again, like it's. It, whose direction it is or not but i would say my biggest criticisms at the moment of wwe has been the the big things such as you know you first of all coming off of mania with the finish that they did okay but now you're going with a draft you're adding a title um i i don't know whose calls those are but those would be big picture directions that you Mm -hmm. would be going in and it certainly to me it it is causing it, it to me is causing like a it is ending the flow of like a lot of these stories that it feels as though they are now working around these new uh, additions. Like is it is, is now the time for separate brands. Hmm. Interrupting the flow of, of the stories, meaning you, you think it, 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 it what, like you, like, ha- you have a lot of these programs that I think are going to be broken up because of the, of the, of the draft that you're going to have these, these separate rosters. I mean, I would, you would think that they would keep a lot of them on the same show, wouldn't you? Well, I mean, just the idea of look at how these shows have been booked, where the bloodline has been such a prominent um, focus. Right. But their story has always been with Zayn and, and Owens. 
you would think that they would stick together, right? You would think, but I think they're also going to break up some of the these uh, as well. Like we'll uh, see. I, I think we, we'll we'll see once once the result of the draft um comes. But I mean, I, I think introducing a championship is really just an extension of this like you know dra- um, brand split idea, the draft idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I have to imagine it, it like it's 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 motivated by business. It it probably is motivated by maybe networks demands, uh, or maybe <laughs> maybe Vince. I don't know. Who knows? But I. I don't like it at either, um, but I I'm also willing to see at least for the first few weeks like how it plays out. Let yeah, it play I mean out. it's all it, it is all in the execution, and they are riding a pretty high wave at the moment. And you look at like they are selling a lot of tickets to shows that they are putting on sale. Like there is there is a hot streak for the company that they are riding. You can argue what would what would this period be like if you had had you know, the new face of the company and that fresh feel of a new champion for the first time, like, would that be, would this be anywhere approximating like an Austin effect in 98 where he reaches the pinnacle of winning that title and then business just goes to another level uh, post WrestleMania? Like maybe, maybe not, maybe this was the the right call to make, but you can certainly look at, like they are putting a lot of, they've been riding this great wave and they are going to interrupt that and we'll see if they, they maintain or if there's a bit of a I mean, loss they've, when they've, I would say they've already interrupted it. Yeah. The Cody loss. Yeah. I, I think, I think they have. So there you go. Raw from Chicago and we will open it up to some feedback. Now, if you have any super chats, if you are in the, in the room, you can throw in your, your questions, your comments, your feedback, let us start off way. Where we all right, let's go to uh, super chats first of all, and this one comes to us from Rob Bahari, who sends two twenty to just say, "Say it, John Way, go Leafs, go," or refund me. Oh, I that's so. a spoiler. So I taped the game. I was going to watch it out. It, <laughs> it was four one for Tampa, so I turned it off in the third period. I knew it was over. Right? <laughs> wow, they they rallied back from four one. They won in overtime, dude. That's pretty they pretty damn back. good. They're right. up three one in the series. So yeah. how will they blow this? This has been a, like a like I've only been like watching the final scores, but it, like and maybe some highlights. But it, it's looked like a pretty exciting series, sw- swing both ways. So, so. yeah, yeah, it, um, it looked pretty dire by the start of the third period tonight. But uh, another note, just of how it would affect if they end up going to Game Seven, and this is the Leafs, they could easily blow the next two games and go to Game Seven. That would be next Monday night in Canada. <laughs> So that would be a monster game if it goes seven for this first round. But this would be the first time the Leafs have won a playoff series since 2004. And I think John just jinxed it right there. So you not know. happening. Uh, Jake from the Windy City sends $2 to say, Leafs fans, it's still just the first round. Relax. Okay. Who's he talking to? To uh, to Rob, clearly. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, uh, I don't know if there's any Leaf fan that um, is – getting ahead of themselves if you if you know the amount of disappointment that this team brings uh i don't think anyone is getting ahead of themselves brandon from new jersey sends five dollars to say chancla on a pole fight in old san juan i dig it that's what he wants to say maybe see. brandon's gonna be our correspondent we'll send him the san juan uh i i couldn't think of a better person for the job so thank you brandon thank you for um smoothie recipe <laughs> Let's go to Matt Hahn, who sends uh, $5 to say, besides Braun, do you see any other NXT wrestlers getting drafted? Um, yeah, draft predictions. Do you have any, um, at least, like, uh, call-ups? 
I could certainly see, like, to me, Roxanne Perez is more than ready. I would be pulling the trigger on her. It already feels as though they are focusing more on Indy Hartwell as sort of the, the babyface uh, female. And Roxanne Perez, I, I don't know what more she gets out of another six months to a year in NXT. So she would be very high on the list. Um, I think Cruz comes back. Apollo Cruz. Yeah. That's possible. Um, they have a lot of tag teams there, whether you're looking at like pretty deadly to come up or um, I, I don't like, I don't love the idea of the creeds coming up yet. I think they still have fine tuning to to go through. I do not mm-hmm. see them as a, as a finished product yet. I would like to see them stay in NXT Damon Kemp as well. Um, How about like, uh, you know, one of the, some of these like North American championship level guys, like Ilya Dragunov or uh, JD McDonough. That really is going to come down to what they are looking for. Like you, I, I would certainly worry about any of those two specifically that you mentioned being in a similar role as a Johnny Gargano um, on, on the right. main roster. Um, I, I, you know, talent wise, they're there um, is coming up with it with all these people. They, they would come with question marks, but you know, it would certainly be um, possible. Yeah. Um but I, I really do see the, the next like wave of NXT being built around like Carmelo Hayes sticking around, being their champion, getting his run. Tiffany Stratton seems to be earmarked to be the, their big female breakout. Um, yeah. Somebody like a Wendy Chu, I don't know if like has that much more to accomplish in, in an NXT. You know? Well, and so I look like at a pretty deadly or a Wendy Chu of the, yeah. the, the heavy character-based performers that mm-hmm. sometimes do get get that look and and get the call up yeah like even someone like a, a maybe they, they drop the well. chase you gimmick but a, a duke hudson coming up like mm-hmm. there's certain ones where it's it's sort of we either cut bait or like how long is someone going to stay in nxt if, if nxt is developmental years? i don't know how much more they're going to be developed you know they've found their characters they've well that's found it I, I don't think they want lifers down in nxt or like once you're you've been down there for three four years it's sort of okay what what are we doing with this person are they main roster ready or not and if they're not then it's like what cool. what are we doing here mm-hmm. all right let's go to some feedback form.postwrestling.com Muggin writes in the reintroduction to big gold leaves me with some more questions and answers. Does Cody's story have an alternate ending or does he keep chasing the Samoan dragon that he failed to slay at WrestleMania Friday should provide an answer one way or another. It sounds like a promo. Seth deserves something after being the good soldier for the past 12 months. So he's a surefire pick to hold this rebooted uh, big gold. If it's Brock, no way. Is yeah. Seth a surefire? Like, is he a front runner for, for the championship? Um, He'd be a great choice. You know, you get your TV defenses every single, you know, every couple of weeks. That that would be really hot. Um, I'd like to see Cody stay on this path, you know, to to face Roman Reigns. Especially since, like, the whole story is that Dusty never had that championship. Not this new one, right? Like, he never had the WWE championship. Imagine that. Finish finish the story. The, the American dream in Saudi Arabia for the newly created World Heavyweight Championship. Hmm. Yeah. Finish finish A story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go up next to Mr. Kane, who says, so much for unification. We're back to two brand titles. And although Triple H's promo may rally the casuals, I see nothing more than a glorified intercontinental title in the form of the 10 pounds of corporate synergy. That's another <laughs> great question. Because I think at this point, Gunther's championship feels bigger than it has been in, in a long, long time. What is the introduction of you know permanent 
world title on that show with more, you would think, regular world title defenses on TV. How does that affect him? I mean, it just it just kind of lowers that belt in the pecking order. I mean, that that you you could certainly have Gunther on the Roman Reigns show, and in his absence, Gunther is still in hmm. a pretty elevated role because of the absence. Right. Good point. All right. He says, and in regards to the punk news, this guy keeps getting people talking about him all while posting MMA bouts on his IG, letting his pals talk for him via podcast and getting spotted at the WWE event. You think a guy who wanted to make amends would actually start with the company he's contracted with? He should have taken note of Thunder Rosa, who had been sidelined and facing the ire of some in the locker room, did her part, apologized for her part, and still promoted AEW through her various outlets. She's handled her stuff all while not making the company look Bush League. That's a professional. If Punk's intent is to create the ultimate heel persona upon his return, he's doing a great job. Yeah, but heels to who? Heels to your coworkers? Because he's not being received as a heel when he walks out on June 17th. Yeah, not at all. It, will he be perceived as a heel um, outside of Chicago? And I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in agreement with, you know, Mr. Kane's uh, idea. I still maintain that this is probably an entire ploy from everybody involved, but um, he's saying, is it to create a heel persona against the elite? That would, are you like at least, would you at least be, um, you know, if, if this were um, a publicity stunt, it's not like they're cluing in the locker room and the locker room is probably viewing this. Like, is that sort the of AEW the... locker room? You yes. Mean? Yeah. So the ones that are already, you know, uh, a that... number that would be probably against the idea of punk even coming back to begin with. And then you're, you're seeing this, like, is this, is this a positive in terms of reacclimating CM Punk into your locker room? Or is it just yet another issue that we're just throwing onto the fire? You could be right. I don't know if it necessarily hurts the tensions that are, or increases the tensions that might already be there. I, I think ultimately that will come down to what conversations he's having with the individuals backstage. Well, we will see. Uh, let's go to uh, one more here, and it's Alexander from Portland. Okay, show tonight. Nice to see Ray main event Raw, even if the match ended in a DQ. If Ray isn't wrestling on Backlash, then why couldn't he lose to Damian, who is heading into arguably the biggest match of his career? Triple H introducing... I, I think that the DQ necessitated Bad Bunny running in. Like, why, why is Bad Bunny coming out and attacking Damian Priest after a... I mean, you could argue, like, just going for the revenge, but it kind of... I, I didn't care about the DQ. Ray could also be wrestling, and Ray has also lost a lot. You know, yeah, and I would argue that the I I think this also opens up the idea of the LWO doing something on the show because there's yes. no way backlash is not happening without um, that, and maybe they view Ray more valuable teaming with LWO and doing an eight man, and that could be Balor, Dominic, and you find some others, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or or you even just do a, a tag match if it's Santos and Ray against Balor and Dominic because I imagine lwo is going to have a massive impact on that backlight or a, a significant role on on the show and the lwo having ray is is a bigger thing and hey, maybe Chavo. They and Chavo can come in. there you go there you go with conan so he uh he goes on to say that triple h introducing a new title because wwe doesn't want to take one away from roman feels laughable the addition of a new title scene will make the post brand split raw and smackdown feel bigger but i feel roman's reign will be somewhat damaged i'm intrigued to see how the draft will work since this is a big there is a big ple between both nights of the draft um no there's not it's the draft is friday and monday and backlash is not till a week from 
uh, Saturday. So it's, they will do the drafts, then they do backlash. And um, I assume then everything goes into effect after. And uh, also says that Karen and Bruce's stardom review was a great listen. Will Fox or USA have any say in who will get drafted where? Um, I mean, in the, in the past, uh, you know, you've heard like the, the networks having some, I guess, um, you know, you are uh, appealing to them. I don't know if they have like a, a strong say, uh, like we, we need to have this person or that person, but it's, um, remains it, to be ultimately seen. it doesn't even matter. Right. Like throughout the course of the year, like <laughs> they just tend to waver from. Yeah, I mean, from, from the anyway. network side, honestly, if I'm trying to like acquiesce to both networks, I mean, this again, this format, it's like you can have everybody because we're going to put our biggest stars on both shows and we can make everyone happy and your numbers are going up with this. It's like it, it's one right. less thing about, you know, one side gets Roman and one side gets Ronda or, or whoever, how, however you want to disperse this talent. Um, hmm. Do you see there being more of a hard line to this draft than we have seen in past iterations of the brand split? At least to start, yes. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, this this new championship and like doing something as big as basically splitting Roman's championship in essence, uh, I think tells you that at least to start, they're very serious about this this line. Well, we are very serious that we are all out of time. So thank you to everybody for joining us. Thank you for the feedback and the super chats. Coming up on Tuesday, it's up next from the Poison Rana team of Braden Harrington and Davey Portman right after spring breaking. Could this be the last time you might see some of your favorite NXT stars in NXT? That is true. It could be the last time you see some of uh, your 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 stars at Joey Gacy's spring breaking. Wayne and I are back Wednesday night following Dynamite in Sunrise, Florida, and then talk up at postwrestlingcafe.com this Thursday. We have multiple uh, cafe shows this week of course friday night we will be live at 10 eastern immediately following night one of the draft so we will go through all of the results uh, that are coming out of smackdown so that is it for us thank you and goodbye